Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, you're listening to Popcorn Pals. In this episode, I'm joined by content creator Jaden Rodriguez, where we're discussing The Flash. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff, and this is Popcorn Pals, a popcorn podcast with Lee and Tim spinoff, where I'll be joined by a rotation of movie-loving legend guest hosts to discuss the latest and greatest new big screen releases. It's the same salty fun with some new flavors, and I'm so pumped to have one of the nicest guys and hardest working content creators out there across movies, games, and WWE wrestling joining me in this episode. Welcome, Jaden. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much for having me on Popcorn Pals, Tim. I uh, hope you're ready for this. I'm super excited to be talking about The Flash. It is my most anticipated film for this year, 2023. I mean, it was meant to be last year, but it, we'll, we'll move it to this year. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. And thank you so much for having me. Oh, you know what, when when this movie was coming up and, you know, we've been waiting so long, as you know, you were the first person that I thought of within this, you know, spin-off forum. I was like, I have to get Jay on to talk about The Flash because obviously this is a podcast. You can't see what Jay is wearing right now, but he's wearing a Flash jumper. There it is. So he's he's come dressed for the part. So thanks for playing along. <laughs> That's all right. Just ignore the stuff behind me, though, if you can see me. Uh, obviously, you can see me, but um, yeah, I'm just covered in like pop culture goodness behind me. So yeah, I'm excited to be talking about The Flash. Awesome. Friends, this is a warning right at the top of the episode that Jay and I will be going into spoiler territory with The Flash because there's just so much good stuff in this movie that if we like talk around it, I'll just feel less than uh, satisfied, uh-huh. I think. So if you yeah. haven't seen the film, come back and listen once you have, because the last thing we want to do is spoil your experience of this movie in any way, shape or form. All right, Jay, let's get nuts. (laughs) 
I like that. Yeah, thought you'd like that one. Worlds collide in the flash when Barry Allen uses his superpowers to travel back in time in order to change the events of the past. But when his attempt to save his family inadvertently alters the future, Barry becomes trapped in a reality in which General Zod has returned, threatening total annihilation. Teaming up with a very different Batman and an imprisoned Kryptonian, Barry must save the world that he is in and return to the future that he knows. But will making the ultimate sacrifice be enough to reset the universe? The Flash is directed by Andy Muschietti, who has directed It and It Chapter 2, from a screenplay by Christina Hodson, who wrote the screenplays for Birds of Prey and Bumblebee. So she's played in the superhero space and sort of that big action adventure space before in the Transformers franchise. Also written by Toby Harold, who has written the recent Transformers movie, speaking of Rise of the Beasts. Now, The Flash stars Ezra Miller, Michael Keaton, Sasha Callier, Michael Shannon, and Ben Affleck. Jay, you can't rush a good sandwich is one of the first lines of dialogue in the film, in The Flash. And we've been waiting for this film for so long. What were your expectations going into this one? You referenced at the top of the episode, it's your most anticipated. So like, how were you dealing with those anticipated feelings for so long? You know what, like Ezra Miller as an actor, I loved just, I guess the first Justice League and then of course Zack Snyder's Justice League. And I was just super excited to see more of the Flash play out. The tones that we we're getting from the trailer was sort of like on par with the Zack Snyder verse, which was awesome. But I guess, you know, that whole mess of like what was happening with, you know, the state of DC. Mm. But I, I guess with this movie, it's it's great how they set it up. Like from, from the first like couple of minutes, you know what you're in for. There's great comedy in this film. And then there's also yes. some great action scenes as well. Uh, a lot of heart and all that. So to be honest, I wasn't really sure what to expect. I was just really excited to see The Flash get a solo film. And then like a couple of years ago when we got teased, that you know michael keaton's batman was going to return mm. and that was my real first like as a kid introduction to batman and superheroes and you know made me fall in love with you know the stuff that i enjoy today so um you know i guess the the mashup of nostalgia plus something that i'm currently into with like you know uh, zack snyder's justice league and the flash i was just really keen and excited to see how this was going to work out and how they're going to mesh it together mm. i just wanted to see it happen and you know I've, I've actually been very lucky to see it twice now yes that's right so you saw an early cut of the film i guess you could say about a month yes. ago from time of recording now and time of release of the movie yes what was it like revisiting it and you know trying to hold on to those secrets for so long assuming you saw a whole lot more of the movie and got a lot more out of it what yeah what how would you compare the first and second time seeing the movie so yeah obviously the first time it was just like, I, I didn't know what to expect. Mm. And then the second time round, I was like anticipating a couple of scenes and I could pay more attention to yep. what was happening. And, and not that I missed out on much the first time. It's just, I picked up a lot of things the second time. Like if there was any doubts of the movie, I was like, oh, this didn't really play out well. It, it's not because it didn't play out well. It's just because there was so much, you know, mm. eye candy on the screen and goodness happening that you can get very distracted and you're like, oh, that's that was foreshadowing this in the movie. So um, I enjoyed it a lot. Surprisingly, it wasn't that different from the first edit that I saw. Maybe the last two minutes of the movie Mm. was left out. 
which we'll be talking about a little bit later. We will talk about that. <laughs> and then the credits were left out and the, and the, the post-credit scene was left out as well. So um, mm. it was it was actually weird seeing it and seeing this extra, it was like a deleted scene, but it's not because it's this, this theatric release. Yes. Yeah, I enjoyed it the second time around and I'm keen to see it a third time. It's been a while since I've seen the same movie twice in the cinema. I think yeah. the last time that happened was maybe like Endgame or even mm. uh, Infinity War. Because normally I would watch it on the screen and wait for it to come on a streaming platform or buy a physical copy of it. No, I, I really enjoyed watching it the second time. Yeah, look, I mean, it just goes to show, and I completely agree that the rewatch value of this movie is quite high. Mm. And it doesn't mean that it makes it a better movie than others that you just won and done, because there are some movies that, tonally thematically are just really heavy and you're like I don't think I can go back to that place but they're excellent pieces of cinema excellent pieces of art you know but this is something like like you said I think you're right there's so much nuance and good stuff and eye candy on the screen that you blink and you miss it sometimes yeah and the whole foreshadowing thing you know there's a nuance to the story that will kind of maybe click together a bit better on second time so while you go off to see it for a third time I'm keen to see it for a second time to see what I (laughs) what I missed along the way now let's talk about the the origins of the story itself. Like I know you're a huge like Flash fan in general with the comic books and all the rest of it, because my understanding is that this film is influenced by two like seminal works within the comic book canon. So Flash of Two Worlds from the 60s, yep. where a Silver Age Barry, and by the way, mate, none of this really makes sense to me. I don't know what a Silver Age Barry is. So he finds that by vibrating his molecules at a certain frequency he is transported to another version of earth where he meets a golden age jay garrick and then there's also flashpoint from only 15 years ago back in 2011 that was a five issue miniseries where barry allen wakes to discover that his world has changed and only he is aware of the difference between his real world and his altered world. So from those like really top line insights, the film has clearly paved its own path around some of those ideas. And I think it's found the best way forward picking this from that, that from there. And then of course, because it's part of, as you referenced, like the Zack Snyder world of the DCEU, there's some baggage that it has had to deal with and carry forward there. So, but I really think it's found like a a good balance in finding the right sort of story forward for the audience and the character. Yeah. So I guess Silver Age, Golden Age, that's just the era of comics, I guess. Oh, oh, is that right? So that's just what they've just labeled that era of comics as the Silver Age, Golden Age. And even though it's based, I guess, loosely on like a Flashpoint sort of storyline, mm. but I, I love the fact and surprisingly enough, like Superman growing up was not my favorite superhero. Mm. I The idea of a guy that was indestructible and a rock was his only weakness to me was just like... <laughs> That's rubbish. And, you know, I, I liked Batman because he was, you know, there was some sort of realism about him. He totally. didn't have superpowers, but, mm-hmm. you know, he, it, it, this could be a real thing, uh, as we saw with the Nolan film. Mm-hmm. But what I liked about Man of Steel, there was some sort of realism to it. And I love the, the art style and the direction that Zack Snyder went with the film. I remember seeing it in the cinema and going, wow, I, I absolutely loved. And then from there on, that's when I went, I wanted to know more about Superman and I, and I did my research and, you know, purchase comics around Superman. So, um, yeah, that's, that's where that started. But what I love about, uh, this film, the flash, it goes back to that moment, sort of like BVS where we saw, you know, Ben Affleck's Batman, you know, and, and Metropolis is all falling apart and Zod mm-hmm. and Superman are going at it. We we saw what, you know, Barry was doing during that time. And, and we sort of go back to that moment and Zod's back. I love that. I love how they, 
sort of, I, I mean, it's that whole back to the future thing where, you know, Mighty yeah. McFly goes back in time. And so like, I absolutely love how clever people can be at writing and trying to go through all that sort of like story. I, I love all that. So you don't really need to know Flashpoint st- comic book storylines to really appreciate this film. I think if you just love time travel or have a bit of an understanding of some pop culture movies like mm. like Back to the Future, you'll be all over this. And of course, there's going to be people that are going to be questioning time travel as, as they oh, do, yeah. but that's that's part of the fun. I love how people have their own fan theories. And interestingly enough, in this film, they have their own theory about time travel and the spaghetti, the spaghetti you know, yeah. that's yeah. it, which I, I thought was very clever. Yes, and made me quite hungry at the time, I have yeah. to say. Uh, let, let's just talk about the time travel piece because the thing I want to pull out there is that one, the one thing that I really appreciated about this movie is how they approached the complex time travel and, and also like the physics of Barry's abilities mm-hmm. and they translated it all into layman's terms. I found it really accessible because I often feel confused or stupid uh-huh. when films go all technical in their explanations like i still have a bleed on my brain after watching tenant like i i just still uh, yeah. i still don't understand what i watched and i watched it twice and i don't know why so like i appreciated that the flash was simple but interesting and accessible and how it talked about all the concepts that they were putting in front of you. So yeah, that, that was a positive for little old silly me. hundred percent. Look, ten, I agree with you. Tenant, like I, as a film, I enjoyed it, but the, the last scene and all that, I'm still trying to get my head around it. I mean, <laughs> I've only seen it once. Like I, I like films that are clever and smart, but mm. when you walk out of it and you're trying to explain to someone or someone's trying to explain to you, oh, no, this is what it means, but then they're getting confused and muddled up, and it's just like, well, you don't actually know either. Where <laughs> this one, and it's as simple as the spaghetti bowl and, you know, Michael Keaton telling, like, it was very clever, and and that's all it needs to be. Like, we don't need to know how time travel works. We just need to know how they got there and, and how it's altering, I guess, you know, the future, let's call it. And I, I thought they did it a, a clever way. Completely agree. Just on the story a little more, like, it is really simple at its core. And it mm. asks this question, if you had the power to travel back in time and save someone and therefore change the course of your life, would you do it despite the known consequences? Mm. It's a matter of heart versus brain and which one wins out in the end. And that's a really compelling question. And that's kind of it. Of course, there's complex layers to this story, but you have Barry, who accidentally finds himself traveling back in time when he runs away from his his house, having remembered his life as a kid. So he's in an emotional state. He really loved his mother. His mother really loved him. So he's in this state of longing and he's just kind of like runs because that's what he can do. You know, what his outlet is, he can run. That's his thing. And what he unlocks is like truly shocking to him. He's like, hold on. It, it, then it then plants the seed of this decision for him to make that changes everything. Should I, can I, yes, go back and alter the past Mm. so I have my mother back in my life? That's simply what he wants to do. He wants to prevent the death of his mother and have his life with her back again, Uh, despite the really sound, pointed advice from Bruce Wayne, aka Batfleck, but he does it anyway. Yes, and we get a little bit of a glimpse at that in the Zack Snyder's Justice League as well when they're fighting against Stephen Wolf as well, because Barry does 
turn the cl- clock back just a little bit oh, to reverse it. Does. Yes. And they sort of make mention about it when um, mm. Bruce and that are talking at his car. They mention it very, very briefly. So he has dabbled in it. And I like that they bring that together like, oh, is Zack Snyder's version of Justice League canon now? And But then they also reference stuff that's from the theatrical release version of the Justice League. Yeah, I thought it was very clever. I love all that. But what I like about this film as well, it's not an origin story, but it is an mm, origin story as yeah. well. Like Barry goes back in time and he's got to help his younger self become the Flash. Mm. So it's very clever that we just didn't get like, a oh, this is a prequel, let's call it, before the whole Justice League and uh, Batman vs Superman. We were along the journey as he was guiding his past self to become the Flash. I thought that was very, very clever. Uh, in getting that as well. hundred percent. Cause you're so right. It is not pitched in or really sold as an origin story, but we, we do get one vicariously because yes. he counters a Barry that hasn't had their powers yet. So in order to try and figure out how to save the universe and get it all back to normal, cause he's like, Oh fuck, fuck, fuck. Uh, yeah. He's like, no, you have to get your powers. It's tonight. So we basically see the emergence of how Barry Allen got his powers, albeit slightly different because it's a different kind of Barry, whatever. Correct. But it serves as a plot device, character development piece where you have two Barrys at different points in time with different life experiences. One doesn't know that his mum dies mm. and the other one does and has tried to fix yes. it and, and inadvertently fucked up everything else. So, yeah, it, it's a really clever way that they've kind of woven in an origin story uh, into the mix too. And we've gotten so many origin stories over the years with these superhero things, right. and they're all the same, right? Mm. They're all the same. And how can you tell an or- origin story differently opposed from like the 30 that we've already gotten over the last maybe 10 years Probably or 15 more. years? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, that, I enjoyed this one for that because it was different. It was something that we hadn't seen before. Can I ask you a question? Of course, mm-hmm. we preface at the top of the episode, spoiler territory. Obviously, ba- Barry's mother dies in this that's a really like significant part in who he is as a person within the canon of comics and then this movie we don't ever find out who or Mm. who who kills her and i don't know whether that's something like do you think it's something they're going to explore in a potential sequel like is that a crucial thing does barry ever find out who kills his mom and then he goes into like revenge sort of territory in that space i'm just curious that was the question that i had left the second screening of the of the flash mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. i thought maybe a post credit scene was going to set up that i don't know like some, one of flash's you know rogue gallery of villains was the mm-hmm. one to do it because of the time travel i don't yeah. know i guess sort of similar to, to you know base it off like another film like spider-man 2 i think it's the one the original with toby um yeah when they find his uncle's killer and he goes out to you know like they discover who it was and it then I think that was the one that set up number two or number three. It's been a while since I've seen it, but it could potentially Which which Spider Man are we talking about? Toby or Andrew? I think it's Toby. I'm getting I might be getting them confused That's now. Fine. There's been so many Spider Man oh, movies. I know, <laughs> I know. But um I'm pretty sure that's like what number two of Spider Man was, like how yep. it started and he went mm. out to go find this person. I think I'm sure people are going to correct us, um, which is totally fine. Please totally do. Totally fine. If you but, have the answers, um, let us know. Yeah. yeah. So I, I would assume that The Flash 2, if there is going to be one, they have said that there is going to be one, but mm. 
I mean, the movie just came out, so why would they say that, oh, you know, there's no more flashes and, you know, that's it. But but that was definitely the question I had coming out of it. I guess this film is more focusing on him saving his dad, you know, yes. from, you know, getting out of jail and all that. And I guess mm. maybe that's what ties up the next movie. Yeah, so that was definitely a question I had. The answer, I mean, it's changed so many times, I guess, like the backstory mm. of The Flash, so who knows? But I, I like it when they change it because it's, it's nice going into something not knowing it. And I, and I feel like the, a lot of the comic book community are like, oh, that's not canon. That's not how it's meant to be. But it's like, why would you want it to be the same? Make it different. Because yeah. sometimes not knowing how things are going to play out is more exciting than seeing, you know, seeing it play out. Look, I love that perspective that you come with it because I was curious about you as being such a comic book fan that are you wedded to what you've written in canon to be the way you want a story or a character to play out but you really sound like no 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 give me something new I'm open to it going a different direction to what we may anticipate it so yeah that's cool I like that yeah well you know like with the Spider-Man new movie that's out at the moment the Spider-Verse there's all these Mm. different Spider-Mans and and they've all got different origin stories. So there is no right or wrong way. I just I just want to be entertained, to be quite honest. And um and I definitely was with this film. Are you not entertained? Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. I, I kind exactly. of sounded a little bit like Bane then, as opposed to uh, oh. uh Maximus. Yeah, I, I finished watching The Dark Knight Rises last night, actually. So it's no top way. of mind. People listening and be like, you just sounded nothing like Bane. What are you talking about? <laughs> are you not entertained? Sorry, that was really bad. Gotham. <laughs> Hilarious. Do you know what? Like, That's it's a, great. it's, a, I mean, we're going such a tangent, but I always remember like watching The Dark Knight Rises and loving it. I'm loving that Christopher Nolan trilogy, but I, I recall Bane's voice being really silly as I remembered it. But when I watched it last night, like, it, I didn't have an issue with it. I don't know where I've grown to like what he brought to the character, what uh, Tom Hardy brought to the character, but I know we've just been mocking his voice, but it, it, it works in the context and it's utterly terrifying when you think about it. Um, uh, yes. Yeah. I, well, that, that was 10 years ago nearly, right? I think when the Dark Knight yeah. Rises came mm-hmm. out. But then everyone was mocking Heath Ledger's Joker before it even happened and now everyone is Correct. just like, do you know what I mean? So the fan base is very fickled and people will just, you know, jump onto anything. And, and so, look, like I said, I, I'm there for a ride, for a journey. I just want to be entertained. That's it. <laughs> Actually, these days, I, it's almost like I don't even want to watch trailers. I used to be so right. hardcore into it where I mm-hmm. used to deep dive and find, not spoilers, but like on set footage and, and sort of know what the story is meant to be, where lately I've been just going to the cinema, maybe watch the first trailer, Mm-hmm. going to the cinema and not being spoiled because sometimes in these trailers you see the whole movie in the trailer and you don't even have to watch the film so yeah. i've been enjoying going to the cinema lately for that reason so um and, and it might be because i'm a bit older and there's so much content out there now right. it's really hard to consume everything but um no i've been really enjoying my cinema going experiences lately yeah, yeah good Look, i like that shift in your approach because i'm more and more leaning into that it's hard when you have like a podcast like uh, okay, and yeah. I have and stuff where you, you need to watch the trailers to be able to talk about yes. the movies and what's coming up and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I do try and not overwatch them or maybe mm-hmm. watch the teaser and not like the main thing, because there are some things that marketers put in trailers where, and I actually think that the flash suffered at the hands of this as well. There were things in the movie, if we can loop it back to the movie that we're talking about yeah. when Michael Keaton and the Batman, he says, 
let's get nuts. Like I thought that would have packed such a bigger punch if we hadn't seen that in the trailer. Uh, yes. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a fine line. It's a double-edged sword. I think these trailers, are they're not aimed towards people that are diehard movie fans because we're going to see this movie regardless, whether you're so a comic book fan or diehard movie fan. This yes. is more for... The, like the amount of people I know that are like Michael Keaton, I grew up watching Michael Keaton. I'm in on this film, and mm. it probably got them on the I'm Batman and let's get nuts. Oh, that's my childhood. I'm gonna watch this film. <sighs> yeah, you know what mm, I mean. So totally, I get it. And for us, it's like oh, that, like I totally agree with you. It would have packed a punch even more so. Mm. Um, and it's not even one of his like it was just such a throwaway line there. Let's get nuts in that first Batman film, right? But I guess everyone in in the diehard movie and comic book space just know that line so it is clever but that's like bvs or i know we're jumping around and we're meant to be focusing on the flash but bvs when they showed doomsday i was so upset (laughs) but why was i upset that they showed it you know what i mean like i was gonna go see the film anyway but i just i think surprises are very rare these days so i I like being surprised on the screen like you were saying before yeah totally well we we are going to talk when we get into characters we're going to talk about all the surprise cameos a little later so i'm really excited my my fists are clenched with excitement but there's one thing in terms of like serving a fan base that that i got such a kick out of in this movie and it helped establish how the universe that barry realized he was in was different to his was so simple and it'll go over some people's heads but i fucking loved it it's when they reference that Eric Stoltz is Marty McFly yes. in Back to the Future and not Michael J. Fox. I got a massive kick out of that, oh, yeah. Oh, that was so good. And I, I would think that that would be something that you would be really, really compelled to put in a trailer. And I'm so glad that they didn't. Just yes. for some history of those that don't know. So uh, Robert Zemeckis cast Eric Stoltz as Marty McFly in Back to the Future. They had started filming. They had done weeks and weeks of principal uh-huh. photography. And Zemeckis, to his credit, and gosh, that would have been a difficult conversation to have with Eric Stoltz and his manager. I can't imagine. He wasn't right for the part. And he recast him when they had started filming with Michael J. Fox. And of course, you can't imagine it uh, with anybody else in the role. But there is footage of Eric Stoltz that they have uh-huh. released of him being Money McFly. And look, it's not that bad. But obviously, we don't have three movies worth of Eric Stoltz as Money McFly. So you can't really tell whether he would really fire in the role. Um, but yeah, I just really liked that part of the movie. So uh, talking about that now, imagine if you don't know that story. And that right. scene in that movie would just go over your head. like. Yeah. Because they keep referencing it. He's like, what do you mean, Eric Stoltz? What are you talking about? (laughs) And I like that they reference it back to the future to sort of help explain, you know, time travel and all that sort Mm -hmm. of stuff. But yeah, that was interesting. Also, spoilers as well. They they mentioned like Kevin Bacon, but like Footloose. And they're like, no, 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 (laughs) Kevin Bacon, volleyball scene in Top Top Guard. And they're just like, what? (laughs) Like, I love how... Barry's decision to go back in time has altered everyone's movie career choices. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so, it's, it's great. It's very, very clever. Um, it it is, it it plays into that what if space, which time travel does and and what Barry's like, what if my mother wasn't killed? What would happen? So Mm. what if Kevin Bacon was, uh, Maverick in Top Maverick, you know, all these things. Oh, who was originally looking at being cast as Indiana Jones? What was his name? Oh, uh, Tom, no, gonna... Tom Stelic. Oh, Tom Selleck. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh yes. gosh. Anyway, 
We we will go down another <laughs> rabbit hole if we keep going here. Tom Selleck, oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah I know. Bizarre. But may, yeah, maybe in an alternate universe. I want to talk about the length of the movie, just from a pace perspective. So this bad boy is two hours and 24 minutes long. Did you feel the runtime? How was your relationship with with the length of the movie? And I guess especially because you've seen it twice. I love long movies. Let's say if I'm going to a cinema, I like I like a long movie as long as it makes sense for the movie to be long. If they're just putting right. in stuff there to, to just to fill it out, mm. I can go okay. You can cut you know certain scenes out. But second time around, I, I thought like a lot of the scenes were important. I like that we had Flash introduced at the beginning and we had a couple of cameos at the beginning as well from like you know the justice league and then maybe like an hour into it then we get introduced to michael keaton's batman it's quite far in Mm. yeah and then maybe half an hour later then we get introduced to supergirl zod gets introduced quite early but then we see zod later on in the film and then this whole like cameo like goodness happens you know in the last half hour i thought the timing was good and i thought the pacing was great i I didn't go on my phone the second time around if that makes sense like when i was watching the film it wasn't like oh i just want this film to be over and 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 move on Mm -hmm. sort of distract myself i i was enjoying it and i guess that helps with the great acting involved as well like there's two barry's on the screen so that means there's two ezra's and they're totally different and i just thought Ezra's performances were both they're totally different from each other and I thought they were very very um clever and it just really shows up their acting chops I wasn't I didn't feel like it went too long my Mm. partner would probably say it went on for an hour too long because she (laughs) likes films that only go for 90 minutes (laughs) but um I enjoyed it I enjoyed it look I'm with you I loved the pace of the movie and I didn't feel its length and I'm very vocal on the podcast about movies being so damn long these days unnecessarily uh, especially in the superhero genre I feel and there's definitely I come out going oh there could have been 15 20 minutes trimmed here or there and I mean maybe the flash could have been tighter in some aspects maybe we could have got to certain milestones in the story a little faster but I was having so much fun with the characters that I that I wanted to stay there and I think that's a, a real testament to the writing and also the direction and throw in you know the editors into the mix too so I'm with you on that I I didn't really have much of an issue with its pace or length but let's talk about the characters and performance. Let's talk about Ezra Miller and their performance because, as you mentioned, they basically had to shoot the film twice, <laughs> which is extraordinary. What an incredible actor they are. And they finally got the chance to bring this beloved character to life outside of the sort of janitor of the Justice League, as he refers to himself, is cleaning up the batmus of the, of, the mess yeah, yeah. the, the batmus of it all so finally got room to breathe here and ezra miller brought it didn't they look not that we need to go into all this stuff that's happened and why the film got delayed sure. but i can understand why warner brothers didn't want to recast the flash and barry allen's you know role i guess ezra is a phenomenal actor and I was very lucky to meet Ezra back in 2017, maybe, Did for you? the Fantastic Beast. Yes. I got to sit down, half an hour interview. Uh, I'm going to reshare it on my social, so definitely oh, check it out. And, um, and I was very lucky to be able to chat a, a bit about the Justice League uh, and the Flash. And, and Ezra was in, like I guess, pre-production of the Flash at the time. Mm. And they were very um, excited to 
you know, venture off and show the world what Warner Brothers and, and you know, everyone was involved, uh, was working on. So, yeah, I guess that's why, like, I feel like I've been, not that I had any involvement at, at all, I've been very lucky to work with Warner Brothers with, you know, doing interviews or with the DC mm. fandom stuff. So I feel like I have been somewhat a part of, like, helping getting the message out there for the film. Of course. Loved Ezra's performance overall. And I hope people don't go... I'm not going to go see that film because of what's happened in the past, because my goodness, the actors like Robert Downey Jr.'s, you know, past and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and everything pre social media. Like I'm sure if there was, you know, all these great actors in the past, if they had a social media presence back then, they wouldn't be, you know, I, I, w- I would imagine not that I know, but I, I guess, you know, everyone, as long as they're getting help and, and everyone deserves a second chance and all that, but you, everyone needs to see this film. Don't don't read what other people are talking about and don't boycott the film. Definitely go see it and see it on the big screen because it is just visually impressive and, and it's, it's a great story. It's a fun story. Action, comedy, the humour was fantastic. I love that the humour wasn't yes. like babyish. It was clever. It was fun. It was witty. And that all plays in part with Ezra's performance, the serious Barry. You know, we saw Barry very, you know, funny and a bit annoying in the Justice League, but he had grown up and and I guess real world stuff has affected him. And then he had to deal with his past self. It was a bit annoying. And he realized how annoying he was in the past. So um, clever. Absolutely love it. I hope that answered your question. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, Just on the whole, uh, the Barry back and forth here, because the writers found a way to make each of the two Barrys feel really distinct to each other. Different, yeah. And that their friendship that they ultimately, you know, foster, it feels relatable. But it's like Barry is kind of maybe realising how annoying he is. And so that kind of levels him out a bit because it's yeah. like his annoying little brother. But he's like, no, actually, it's not my little brother. It's me. Like, this me, is, yeah. uh, I'm seeing me be this really immature, happy-go-lucky kid. He doesn't actually understand what's at stake here, but he hasn't had the life experience or lived the lived experience that the other barriers had. But it's funny because, and this is something that happens in superhero movies all the time, it is just what it is. You know, Barry is the reason we have such a shit show on our hands. You know, there's not necessarily a villain in this movie. I mean, Zod is a, a villain, but he's not really causing he hasn't caused the problem. He is a problem that they encounter along the way, yes. but he hasn't caused anything. Uh, so it's the age old thing that superheroes tend to make things worse before they get better. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it's just wild. And I love that superheroes have, they're, they're human, I guess, if you know, yeah. like what I'm trying to say, they have human problems and qualities. And it's a real question. I'm sure that a lot of people can, you know, gravitate towards and relate to. Like, if you had the opportunity to bring a loved one back from the past, would you do it? And what are you mm-hmm. willing to sacrifice to make that happen? And I love when there's some sort of, like, realism built into it. Um, instead of just the hero being bright and, you know, all the time, yeah. like, they do come across struggles like everyone else every mm-hmm. day, you know, with work or life. Like, we all have these, you know, sort of, like, decisions that we have to make that can change our, our futures. Love it. Great film. Great film. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Now, do we want to talk about a little bit more Bruce Wayne Batman, a.k.a. Michael Keaton? You know, the Batman, he is back. He was definitely and still is my favorite Batman. Put you on the spot. Is he your favorite Batman or do you have a favorite Batman within the the movies that have come out over the decades? It's easy to say that he's my favorite Batman because I just saw the film, right? (laughs) But like Nolan's Batman, Christian Bale, I I love how realistic it was, right? Mm -hmm. But Michael Keaton's Batman was really the Batman that got me into superheroes and growing up, you know, playing with the action figures and, and reading like, the comics, the movie comics, let's say, and playing the games on my Sega Mega Drive. Like that was what really got me to love Batman and Michael Keaton's Batman. And it's great that Michael Keaton still still has it. Like yes, not just from like, does. he's such a fantastic actor. I guess it was like Birdman a couple of years ago when that came out. Brilliant. And, you know, we've seen him in Spider-Man Homecoming. Mm-hmm. So it's great to see him back with the cowl on. The action scenes were great. And I love that it was still true to the old school Batman that we grew up watching and and I still love that he still had the quirks of the old school tech where he had to measure like the <laughs> like how how much he had to charge the the detonator to, I, yeah. I thought that was hilarious because I guess in the film it, it well in the, in the story of the movie he's he's a retired Batman he mm. hasn't been doing this because Gotham has been a good place there hasn't been any you know yeah. um it's a crime, safe place so. now. Yeah, yeah, and he and he's retired, so he hasn't been Batman in a long time. And he puts it on, and he and he loves getting back into it. And it's sort of like he he missed it, and it made him feel young again. So, yeah, Michael Keaton, fantastic uh, performance, and glad that he said yes. And I'm glad whoever decided to bring Michael Keaton Batman back into into the story. I thought it was very very well done. It wasn't just like a oh let's insert him here. It it Mm -hmm. made sense. Yeah, so. Yeah, very clever. Hundred percent. I mean, Keaton just were he, he came into the role effortlessly charismatic, like he always is. And I was grinning from ear to ear watching him mm. return in probably his his most beloved role yeah. for some thirty plus years. And and you said like he's retired, like he also retired the razor and the clippers because he's quite disheveled, Bruce Wayne, isn't he? He's got yeah. long hair and the beard and uh, yes. wears sandals or one sandal at a time or whatever. That really bothered me. I just like he's only got one shoe on. Like put the other one. <laughs> he's a he's a hermit. He's living in yeah. the in his mansion by himself. You know he yeah. has no butler. He has no like. It looks like Wayne Manor is just collecting dust. Mm. It'll be interesting to know what he has been doing because it doesn't look like he's living his Not Playboy much. lifestyle and, no. and whether he has kids or whatever like that. But mm. who knows? Like. If a Flash 2 happens, does Michael Keaton's Batman return or like, I, I don't know, like who knows, right? Who um, knows? Who knows? Yeah. I, I just want to call out something you mentioned before. Like his physicality was so fucking cool to see as oh, well. Yeah. And his humor, really quick-witted. But then seeing him play uh, as as a leader 
and and leading the team with Barry too, like all the smarts the Batman brings, you know, all the ingredients we love about Batman and Keaton's version were all there and they were really nurtured by the creative team. So I, I was kind of worried that the essence of Keaton's Batman might get lost within the spectacle of it all, but it was purely intact. Yes. And also a lot of the symbols that goes with Keaton's mm. Batman as well, like the Batmobile, that was a cool reveal. Yeah. Not that he actually used it in the film. No, he didn't. That's a shame. Yeah, but I guess like with the Batwing, that helped them get to a lot of locations, let's call a bit it. more practical, I think. Yes, yeah. yeah. So that made sense. But um, I wish we got to see maybe the Batmobile yeah. sort of shoot its the hook and it goes up on the wall. And I just remember that scene with the oh, Batmobile yeah. just going boom, going up the wall. It was just, yeah, so hammy, but like, it's fine. Like those are these things that I remember, but um, I love a bit of ham. I love a bit of yeah, ham stuff. Definitely, definitely. Lay it on me. I think the only thing that his Batmobile was used for was for the young Barry to have a nap. <laughs> <laughs> and for the teaser trailer, to, well, we actually yeah. didn't see it in the teaser trailer, but we saw the outline with the cloth on it as well. So they're, they're all clever shots and all that. And I guess you know Barry mentions in the film. I remember as a kid seeing this on the mm. TV screen, driving around. Like mm. that's cool moments because. I did too, but not yep. on, you know, the news. I remember seeing it on, you know, <laughs> in the movie, on the VHS when I used to watch it. No, Batman's real. Batman's yeah. real. What are you talking about, Jay? What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, I, I really want to talk about Supergirl, Sasha Callier. I loved mm. her character and performance, and I really, really hope we get more of her in James too. Gunn's DCU because there was so much to uncover and explore in her character. You know, when, when we're introduced to her, she has – now home, she thought she was heading to earth for safety, but was then imprisoned and suffered uh, a lot of pain as a result. And as a result of that, she has such a twisted, but accurate, I guess, take on humans and humanity. Mm. And it takes Barry to kind of lift the curtain on, on the heart that humans can bring and, and what they're there to do to save people and, and show love and support and but she'd never felt that before so i i really liked the complex layers of her character and, and a brilliant performance from sasha sasha was great and it sounds like from the story and what i sort of gathered from it is that she was sent to pr- protect clark kendrell's character but yeah. then zod intercepts that and then she came to earth mm. and i guess it sounds like she was imprisoned straight away yeah it does so therefore she would have been mistreated the whole time while mm. she was there, and and mm. and I can understand her hatred towards the humans. So, and I guess because she was shown compassion and all that sort of stuff, that's great. And that's, that's a great sort of like story arc for um, Barry to go on as well, to help mm. her find that. Looks like there was a little bit of like a love interest between young Barry and like when he was yeah. trying to film her on the phone and he was like <laughs> looking at her and stuff like that, which was pretty cool. This is a spoiler review, but like that there was no payoff of that. And, um, mm. and one of the things that I, not that I didn't like with the film, because I guess it it wasn't needed. But once we went back into the Speed Force, we didn't see Michael Keaton or we didn't see, you know, Sasha's uh, Supergirl again for the rest of the film. Like, we just yeah. see them meet their demise multiple times. Mm. But, yeah, I guess, you know, that's – it didn't really need to pay off because – Yeah, they made it really clear they had been killed in that version of the universe. And so – 
I get you're right. Even though you wanted to see more of them because they were so good, yes, it actually wouldn't have made sense for them in in the context of this movie and the bookends of it all. Like that, they yes. did show up again in some way. But I mean, you clearly yearned for their characters and their performances. So yes. I t- I totally uh, hear what you're saying. It would have been good to have them come back in some way. But I guess it just shows the stakes of the movie that like sometimes in universes there's things that need to happen and yep. they were they were both killed and that was that so and that's that and and realistically Barry's character would never see them again because of that and that's I guess yep. another sacrifice that plays out in it but in terms of Sasha's performance great really really good a mm. Latino playing Supergirl I mean that's pretty cool Love it. and she she doesn't look like what Supergirl looked like in the comics I, I think Supergirl was you know um, blue-eyed blonde hair but Sasha looked like she could hit someone and and cause some damage to Zod. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And she yeah. she had that good intensity. So um mm. I'd love to see her back on the screen in some capacity as uh Supergirl again. Hundred percent. Are there any other characters that you kind of want to call out and talk about or should we dive into some of the cameos that we were exposed to across the movie? Zod being back, love yeah. Zod. Uh Michael Shannon, right? He's it, um an incredible, incredible actor. And I think that's one of the reasons why I like Man of Steel. And it was great to see him back on the screen. I might be pronouncing this wrong, but one of Zod's henchmen is called Feora or Fiora. Mm-hmm. She she was the female like soldier. And I loved her in Man of Steel. And she has a really good like Talking about someone that has a lot of intensity, she was fantastic in Man of Steel. Not a main character, definitely supporting character, and um, and we see her in this film as well. So I think that was really cool that they had put her in the film. I marked out um, when I saw her on the screen. <laughs> Affleck at the beginning, yeah, it was cool that we got to see Wonder Woman as well at the beginning of this oh, movie. Yeah. I'm hoping that Gal Gadot, because she showed up in a really weird cameo in the Shazam Fury Shazam. of the Gods yeah. one, and then she's... I loved her cameo in this, but I'm like, she's too good. Stop using her as a cameo. Like give her more to do. Like I just don't want her Wonder Woman to come to an end, but we really don't know the path forward with some of these characters and the actors playing them too. We know some, but not all. Well, I guess it depends on how this movie plays out and if it does what it does, you know, globally Mm. in terms of like money made. I guess it really, really depends. Also, we saw Tamura Morrison, who plays Thomas Curry, who's Aquaman's dad. We got to see him on the phone in the yeah, scene there, that and that was that was pretty fun. Well, I I really miss Nicole Kidman though in that because she, yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh my god, is Nicole got a cameo? And I'm a I'm a massive Nicole Kidman oh, yeah? fan. Like honestly, oh, since awesome. childhood, utterly embarrassingly obsessed with that wonderful woman. And that's interesting as well because, yes, she plays Aquaman's mother, but then she's mm. also in the Val Kilmer Batman Forever. She plays Chase, Chase Meridian. Meridian. I only just realised that once you said Nicole Kidman. Um, yeah, how interesting that would have played out. But um, I'm trying to, like, obviously we're leaving out a lot of cameos that uh, that made a really big impact. We have Christopher Reeves, Superman, and Helen uh-huh. Slater's Supergirl. So Supergirl. my understanding is they were archival footage, of, of course, because Christopher Reeve is no longer with us. Um, uh-huh. And Helen Slater is, I think Supergirl was the early 80s, so it's quite some time ago. Correct, yeah. The one that I really, well, actually there's two, but I'm going to start with Nicolas Cage as Superman. In the infamous story, because for those that don't know, you're like, what do you mean Nicolas Cage cameoed in The Flash? Who was he? So Superman. And Tim Burton was making a Superman movie called Superman Lives 
back in the mid nineties, I believe they got yes, so correct. far in, there's all this concept art and there is footage and there's a, there's a documentary, which I haven't watched yet. There's a documentary about the making of, or the lack of making of this movie. Uh, it's meant to be really, really excellent. Oh, and okay. um, they had done screen tests of the costume of Nicolas yes. Cage and Superman. There's three roles that Nick Cage has always wanted to play in his career. There's Dracula, which he has recently done in Renfield and is excellent uh-huh. in it. Captain Nemo as well. Oh, and okay. That's, I think, oh, I could be getting this wrong. Is it 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it's something like that, yeah. Yeah, and also Superman. I mean, he named his child. Kal-El or Jor-El? Yeah, Kal-El. His son Kal-El. is called Kal-El, for yeah. God's sake. As fate determined, his Superman um, never lived. The, the project was cancelled. And so when he shows up as a version of Superman in this movie, I was freaking out. I thought, this is awesome. But I had a problem with it, Jay, because yeah. it wasn't Nick Cage. It was a CGI Nick Cage. And that really fucking bothered me. I'm thinking if you are going to deliver such a really sick cameo and making this piece a, a part of canon now, even though the film doesn't exist, get the real actor. Like it, yeah. it really annoyed me. Okay, that's 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 interesting because I guess would you want to see Nick Cage? The pro, the answer is probably yes. Would you want to see Nick Cage today in the Superman suit from the mid nineties, fighting that giant spider? And that's the other thing. Like it's such a really nerdy cameo to have because it's not so canon. Yeah, a lot of people will be leaving the cinema going, "What the fuck? <laughs> what's Nick Cage fighting a spider for?" With yeah. long hair and like, yeah. but you know what? Like sometimes, like I guess with the younger generation, that's what starts the younger generation to go, oh, I wonder what that was about. Mm, I'm going to mm. deep dive into it. And then their love of like, oh, wow, you know, this backstory. And then I guess that's what builds a passion for cinema and, and history and, and, and moving forward. So uh, it's a fan service and it's also, I guess, creating a lot of new fans as well. But um, look, I didn't mind that it wasn't Nick Cage. Obviously, they would have had to have asked for the, the likeness. Totally. And I, I don't know if he would have done the motion capture for that scene, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it would have been nice for him to at least do that. But I guess we'll find that out a little bit later. But um, yeah, I thought it was a really cool cameo. I loved it. I loved it. I, I just yeah. don't think the execution was there, sadly. But, Fair um, enough. Yeah. Hey, That's just my Flash take. too. He might come, you know, might be, <laughs> might could be Keaton and you, you know what I mean? Like, who knows? Who knows? Oh, see, the possibilities are endless. That's the thing with the multiverse and where they're yeah. heading. Gee, isn't multiverse, I can't believe we haven't even referenced this. The multiverse is just the only thing Hollywood are making right now. Like it's just every movie it's everywhere. And so with, with that statement, like I actually think this movie did a really good job despite all the noise around mm. multiverse and everyone fucking trying to do it. I think they achieved it better than what the MCU is attempting to do right now. I would agree with that. I, I, feel, I feel like, I mean, it's hard to go to the cinema now, especially after watching Infinity War and Endgame, because mm. having all those characters on the screen, uh, and not that that's the multiverse, but having all those characters on the screen, we were so spoilt as a, a fans in an audience to get all that. And yeah. it was really hard to go to movies and going and getting that feeling again of like, like when I went to watch, sorry, we're going way back now, but <laughs> getting a feeling from watching a film like Toy Story 3, like I bawled my eyes out twice right? watching that, oh that movie. Do you know what I mean? I'm sure there's been other films, Pixar do that all the time, but yeah. and leaving a cinema going, oh my goodness, like that was such an event, which is amazing. But yeah. after Endgame, it's been really hard to get that, 
that Get feeling, that feeling again. back and that excitement and mm. and to go back and watch it again. And I'm sure there has been maybe a couple of films since then, but definitely with The Flash, I left going satisfied. That was amazing. I can't wait to see where this goes again. And I can't wait to see this a second time or even a third time. So yeah. with the multiverse, and it's not just superhero movies, there's other franchises that are trying to you know expand their, their world as well. Mm. They're very reliant of like, oh, you know, this character from this universe is going to help out. And, oh, if this character dies, it's okay because we can bring them from this timeline and, and, and exactly. then it's all good. So technically, nobody really dies because <laughs> well, we yeah. can just grab them from another multiverse. They try and, yeah, let's just talk about that for a second because they try and tell you the stakes are really high, you know, uh, quote-unquote Avengers-level threat sort of thing, sort yeah. of vibes. Yeah. But when you do play in the multiverse, which is endless, it's like, oh, well, anything can happen. Anyone can come back. And does it just dilute the stakes yes. a little too yes. much? So it's, it's a really fine line for writers and creators to, to walk because you still need to excite people. You still need to deliver a story and ultimately have a threat and a payoff and stuff. And it's really hard to get that right when you can basically say that anyone uh, can come back or whatever, or, or be experienced in another timeline. It kind of removes the impact that the death of a character may have had at one point in time because we're kind of getting another version of them somewhere else. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's a whole like other episode to kind of unpack, right? hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yep. I mean, I'm just really in, curious to see where like the DCU is going to head in this space, obviously with MCU and I mean, their, their whole, it's called the multiverse saga for goodness sake. Like they're leaning into that whole thing hard and I just don't yeah. think they're, they're getting it right. But anyway, we're talking about the DC, not the MCU. The so Flash, let's stay, that's it. Yeah. stay on track. I do want to round out a couple more uh, cameos. So we saw some archival footage of Adam West and Burt Ward um, playing, you know, love, the 60s Batman TV series. Fucking unbelievable. One of my yeah, favorite, yeah. like moments in pop culture is the shark repellent spray when the shark's yes. on his leg. Yes. <laughs> Hanging off. I've actually the... got my, my hot toys back uh, actually up there and he's holding the um he's oh holding the, God. the shark repellent. Sorry. Shark repellent I remember spray. watching that episode and not that I was around when that aired properly, but I remember watching Oh it, what you weren't like alive a... in the sixties, Jay. <laughs> I don't want to say I remember watching this as a kid, but I wasn't around that time. But I remember the, him, the episode ended. How is he going to be? How is he going to get out of this one? And then the next episode started with, with with a spray. And I'm like, of course, like clever writing, isn't it? But that's the campiness that that suits that show. Like it's just yeah. so good. I don't want to send you off on another tangent because I'm very <laughs> no, good I'd, at. This, I would love to go on an Adam West, Burt Ward, Batman '60s TV series uh, movie tangent. But speaking of camp, now this is the thing I assume was missing from the first version of the movie that you saw was the cameo of George Clooney, right? Okay. Yeah. As yep. Bruce Wayne at the end of the movie. And I'm getting chills right now because he, he played Batman Bruce Wayne in 1997's Batman and Robin and has profusely apologized for that film ever since. <laughs> and I yeah. re- like, I fucking love Batman and Robin. I do remember going to see it in the cinemas and thinking it was the greatest thing ever because I was like eight or something. I don't know how old it was, uh-huh. but it's actually aged quite well. It, it is a real camp romp, like horny, homeoerotic movie that you just go for the ride. Like Arnie Uma Thurman, uh, like it's just unreal. So I loved the fact that they asked him and he agreed to like reprise his role as Bruce Wayne. We didn't see him in, in the cow yet. But what that means, I have so many fucking questions, Jay, about this because Barry had obviously reset 
you know, he made the decision that he wasn't going to save his mother. He had to put the universe all back together. But he made a slight change in order to prove the innocence of his father, who was wrongfully convicted for his mother's death. So he still tweaked something in the past ever so slightly. Slightly, yeah. Uh, so he really, really didn't learn his lesson. But then what that meant was that Batfleck was gone and it's George Clooney. But uh, so does that mean that, like, are we going to get, George Clooney as Batman moving forward in that particular timeline. Like, I just, I just want to know. <laughs> and does that mean Chris O'Donnell is Robin as well, or is right. this like a different, like, yeah? And look, I loved Batman and Robin as a kid, and then of course I was part of that, like, oh, because apparently Batman and Robin killed the whole superhero franchise, and they didn't want to revisit it. It kind of did for a long time. Yeah, for a long time. But you know what? It was probably good because the technology wasn't really there to, mm. to get like these Avenger movies or these big epics as well. But when you watch it back, you could tell that that's what the film was going for. It wasn't totally. like they tried to make this magnificent masterpiece, but it came out hokey. They, that's what they wanted. And then, you know, Joel, Joel <laughs> yeah. Schumacher, um, is it Joel Schumacher? Yeah, correct. yeah he directed yeah. it. Yeah. Directed it. Cause, and he was the director of Batman forever, which correct. Val Kilmer would have been mm-hmm. great to see as yeah. Bruce Wayne at the end. But obviously we, you know, the, stuff that um, Val's going through, he physically can't do that. But yeah, no, it was cool to see George. I was wondering if they were going to cast a new Bruce Wayne for the new DC. I was wondering because like the first time we saw the film, we saw the shoes step out of the car. Oh, is that what you saw? Okay. Yes. And then we see Barry go, who the, you know, who are you? And then, and then it just cut out. Oh my God. And apparently on location when they were filming that, this is what one of my friends was telling me, apparently it was... Michael Keaton, he was just filling in and stepping out. And and apparently afterwards, they got Clooney to, you know, green screen him in and all that. So okay, I was wondering how they did that. That is actually really, really well done because, yes. I, because it looked really exposed in the public. And I'm thinking, how did they have a close set for this moment? Right. Yeah. And I guess all the close-ups of Clooney, that would have been on a green screen, I guess. But yeah, um, yeah, And yeah. who knows how late into the game, like, we were meant to see a Batgirl come on HBO Max, and that got canned. It, it got, got canned. The movie got canned. Yeah. Yeah, and Michael Keaton was meant to be a big role in that film as well. So That's right. I wonder who was it meant to be Keaton at the end of that, or have they now just recast it? So there's all these different questions, and I'm sure it will all come out eventually. But um, yeah, it's just interesting to see what the direction was meant to be, mm. and then how the movie ends as well with. Aquaman at the end with yeah, um, Barry's character. Weird. What did you think of that mid-credit scene? I, that which is a I, bloody pointless piece for me. I was expecting maybe a Blue Beetle, yeah, little like Easter egg because that's the next DC that's the film next coming out in August. Yep. Yes, but then of course we still got the second Aquaman coming out as well. And Ben Affleck is in that, right? So I just have I have so many questions. No answers, and I'm going mad. I don't know now because they flip flopped so many times. Yeah. Ben Affleck was part of the reshoots. Yes. What I last heard of it is that now that's not even going to be in the film. Oh, I mean, this actually, Aquaman. Well, oh. I don't know because it's just so mm. flip flop, and apparently the movie's unwatchable and it's not oh, testing Jesus. well. But then now it's like, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what to believe. I'm excited to see it just to see what is going on and how this pays out and yeah. how this connects to the rest of James Gunn's, you know, DCU. Yeah. But yeah, the last scene in the film, they're coming out of a bar. Aquaman is drunk. And apparently, like, the lore is meant to be that Aquaman can't get drunk because he's a metahuman. Yeah. So, and then he obviously falls 
face first into a puddle of water and, you know, he'll be fine because he can breathe. But then there was like rumors a while ago that he's going to be recast as a villain. He's going to play Lobo. Yes, that's right. Jason Momoa. Yeah. Is that a touch that he's going to be Lobo? But then he talks about, uh, he talks about his ring and that it is Atlantean and stuff. So I was so confused with that last. It was, it didn't really play into anything. It just showed that Aquaman is part of his world still. And that's the storyline that we're going with. But who knows? Who who knows? Friggin' worlds collide indeed. Collide, literally, who, yeah. <laughs> who knows what's going on? But like you said, hopefully there's a payoff and, and some continuity and explanation is thrown into the mix with Blue Beetle, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, and then what we get after that, my understanding is Superman Legacy, so a whole new sort of kickoff yeah. of the DCU kissing the uh, Snyderverse goodbye. I, I want to talk about the special effects because – this was an area of the movie where I had some serious Problem criticism. Yeah. yeah. And uh, stuff has come out since that I've seen the movie that I want to talk about where the, the director has like tried to yeah, justify it. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. like when the effects were good, they were great. Like the opening action sequence that you referenced at the top of the episode, that was awesome. But when they were bad, <laughs> they were so bad. So this is the quote from Andy Muschietti. He gave an interview with Gizmodo in response to the criticism out there, like really, really valid criticism on the shoddy special effects. He said, everything is distorted in terms of lights and textures. We enter this water world, which is basically being in Barry's point of view. It was part, and by the way, Listener, you've obviously seen the movie because it's spoilers and we gave you that heads up, but I don't understand what he means by Waterworld because they didn't go to fucking Waterworld. Anyway, it was part <laughs> of the design. So if it looks a little weird to you, that was intended. Um, I don't think so, mate. Tim, re- remember at the beginning of the film when I said to you, I saw the first edit. That's right, and I remember. some of the CGI was a bit off, so mm. hopefully they've fixed it in this film yeah. and they didn't fix it. They didn't. Yes. So basically the, the areas that looked really, really uncanny valley was because you had two Barry's, right? And some of the shots, like even when they're in the same frame together or even separate frames, it looked worse than a Snapchat filter. Like it did not look yes. like Ezra Miller. And I, I bring it down to this. This is my hot take on it. This is my speculation. They obviously had a lot of reshoots and whatever. This movie was, has been in development hell and there's been all sorts of things going on and we've waited a long time for it. I just simply don't think they, they weren't able to get Ezra Miller to do pickup shots and things like okay. that based on their circumstance. And so they just had to go down the CGI road to fill in gaps of dialogue and such like. But they did it so poorly. Yeah, It really took me out of the movie and like, fuck me. Okay, what's what's your take on all of this? I, I 100% agree. It took me out of the movie the first time as well, yeah. um, especially in the, the Speed Force. I, I was saying to you like, oh, there's a character in it and they were CG'd and I don't know yes. why they just didn't use the character. Right? But the whole Speed Force scene, it looked like a, and I don't want to say PS2 quality graphics, <laughs> just say PS3 quality <laughs> graphics. That's right? kind of you. <laughs> yeah, the second time round, I was... What the hell? Like, I was like, oh, okay, so they didn't fix that. But then at the same time, it doesn't really hurt the story. You're right. It takes you out of the movie just a little bit going, yeah. oh, okay, um, this movie is meant to be like this 
mega blockbuster film and we've seen other movies manage to do this stuff and pull it off quite easily. But I mean, you said it before, maybe they didn't have the option with Ezra to do that stuff because of what was happening in the background. Yeah. But then after, like, I guess, cause it was the second time around, I just accepted it and just moved on and I enjoyed the film for what it was. So maybe the first time around I was, and the, but the action scenes were fantastic. Like, they you were. know what I mean? Like they were, it was just the, the speed force and some of the mapping of Barry's younger nice. character yes. on yeah on the on the face. It was a little bit jarring. But look, I sort of don't like when people say, "Oh, the CGI was lousy," so this 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 film is rubbish. It's shit, and it's just like yeah. no, like that's just one aspect. And like I was watching, sorry to go on another film, but I was watching Casino with De Niro and Joe Pesci. And there's a scene right at the beginning. And I know this is an old film, but there's a scene right at the beginning where somebody gets blown up in the car. And for a split second, you can tell that it is a mannequin in the car. (laughs) And then that blows up, right? But that doesn't wreck the film. That doesn't wreck the film. And I never hear anyone going, no, that, that, that film's shit because of that one little scene that happens for a second. But it's clear as day that, that they've swapped out De Niro and put a mannequin in there and he blows up, right? I'm glad they swapped De Niro out for a well, mannequin yeah. blowing up the car. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but it's so clear that, yeah. it's a, that it's a mannequin. And that didn't wreck the film. So what I'm trying to say, like, even though, like, these CGI things happen, it doesn't really wreck the film and, and the story and how it plays out. It's just this little... It's just this li- like these little things, but I wish they got it right so people yeah. wouldn't talk about it, but we definitely have to talk about it because I guess CGI is such a big part of this film as well. Yeah, 100%. I mean, when you spend $220 million making a movie, you think they'd be able to map a get on top of face. It. Yeah. yeah, get on top of it there. But anyway, that's the reality of it. So you'll either love it or hate it in, in that essence. But as you said, I completely agree. It, it shouldn't. Did you get, sorry to cut, to cut you uh, off there, but it sounds like you saw it happen and you're just like, oh, but were you able to go, okay, that's just what it is and I can enjoy the rest of the film? Or did every time it pop up sort of take you out of the story? To be honest, I was always able to get back into the story. I was always okay. able to get back in, but every time it showed up, it took me out. It took yeah. me out, unfortunately. Fair enough. Be- Fair because enough. because yeah. I, I like I totally appreciate the complexities of making movies, but I found some of those results a little unacceptable, yeah. especially because they got so many other visual elements of the movie so right. Spot on. And I'm thinking, yeah. how could you sign off on that? Like I just I I don't know. Maybe it was a rush job in the end, which sounds bizarre considering how long this movie has been coming. But anyway. They had an extra year, right? Had an extra year. Maybe that's what made yeah. it worse. <laughs> they spent too Maybe much time on it. And it did the opposite. <laughs> could be. Yeah. But look, but Andy he he came out and said um it was a stylistic choice. So let's just yeah. take it as that. Yeah. Yeah. Great the water world. <laughs> the water world. Where was Kevin Costner? Yeah. Oh, God, could you imagine if he just made it? Well, oh, actually, he could have he made was, it. Yeah, he could have, actually. Superman's dad, that's right. So um, There's been so yeah. many superhero movies that you can name any big actor from the last 30 years, and they've probably been in one. So, yeah, yeah Kevin Costner was Superman's dad. There you go. Back in Man of Steel. That's right. I do want to quickly talk about some of the other visual elements. Like, I fucking love the costumes in this movie, especially Supergirls. I was obsessed with how that was shaped and the colors and the textures of it. And it just offered some sort of grace and power Mm. to her performance as well. And Barry Allen's costume was just like chef's kiss. Mm. I just yeah. freaking loved how that looked and, and actually like functioned in the space too. Yeah. I can't fault any of the costumes. Actually. I think they got that so, so right across the board. 
I like how Supergirl's suit is the same style as the Henry Cavill suit that we've loved over the last couple of films, but it also had a unique style with the red across the top yes. that it wasn't a skirt. It was, it was still very like, you know, it was strong. It was great. Yeah. And with the flash suit, uh, I'm sure you would have picked up on this as well, but in the justice league movies, the lightning that was coming out of Barry was blue where in this movie it was yellow Oh, and they still carried that trend as well. So young Barry still has blue lightning coming off him, but apparently the suit that the timeline Barry that we know, yeah. his suit apparently conducts the electricity and, and turns it into yellow, like with the yellow pulsing going through his suit and all that, which is meant to be Wayne technology or something like that. So oh, okay, they do reference yeah. that, don't they? As like a passing comment in the movie at some it, point it's passing at the beginning yeah. or something like that but they don't really explain the lightning and the color and all that sort of stuff but apparently the suit is turning it yellow which i guess if you've read the comics it's always been a yellow i mean his logo is a yellow lightning bolt so um it was cool to see that um play out on the screen and and expl- it wasn't really explained in the film but um but that's what it's meant to be the costume is meant to be turning it yellow yeah there you go. Thanks for uh, plugging those uh, gaps of knowledge uh, for me and <laughs> I'm sure right. a few others listening. And Michael Keaton has a black, so I'm looking at my hot toys behind me, has a black <laughs> belt in the film where he's meant to have a yellow uh, utility belt mm. um, from the old school. So I like the little changes that they've done as well. I thought all the suits were just really, really spot on and I'm looking forward to seeing people cosplay the heck out of them. Ooh, it's it's yeah. going to be insane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You included, though, right? Like, are you going to... I want to get a flash suit, 100%, and I want it to be pulsing with the lights and stuff oh, fuck like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, so maybe one day. It's a rubber suit, so I don't know how that's going to be really, really play out properly and how I'd get into it. Yeah, you'll live in it for the rest of your days. Or you just get oh. vacuum sealed in it like Michelle Pfeiffer did in Catwoman. And yes, go, oh, yes. This is my life now. I'm never getting out of this. How? Oh, yeah, but yeah, stay tuned. Why don't you, uh, if, if The Flash gets a sequel, why don't you commit right now to wearing something like that on the red carpet of Done. The Flash 2? Done. Done. You'll probably have a new suit by then. Oh, you would have spent all this time pulling this suit together and it's a whole new one. You'd be like, ah, oh, shit. That's all right. Look, it, it, I love the suit. I love the suit and um, I can't wait to buy merchandise and, and Hot Toys figures so I can display <laughs> it in all its glory. I thought it looks, I thought it was a great, great suit. One of the other things of the movie from a technical perspective in building the whole world, I I loved the music in the movie. It was like truly epic. The interwoven orchestral themes of, you know, Danny Elfman's Batman score from uh-huh. 1989, you know, used to nostalgic perfection for lack of a, a, yeah. a, a different statement. Every time Michael Keaton was, you know, kicking goals on the screen, I just found the sound of this movie really, really exciting. And it just played in with the action and adventure tone of the movie too. 100%. Just hearing that Danny Elfman play and just to see the bat cow on the screen meshed at the same time. Yeah. Oh. Goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And But then also just like the soundtrack scores that they picked throughout the film. Mm. I thought they were really clever and it was good. Actually, I've added a lot of songs to my, my playlist on my phone now. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. What's the one where Barry gets his powers for the first time and he's running through the streets and he steals the guy's hot dog or whatever he's oh, eating. Yeah, and, yeah, no, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I can't remember the song now. Um, I can't we help are you. young. We are oh, free. free. Um, oh, gosh. Be all right. Yes. Yeah. That's the one. Be all right. Yeah. Yeah, so I've added that to my playlist and I, I listen to it every day since 
so yeah, no, very, very great music choices. Now, uh, is there anything else about the flush that you, that's on the tip of your tongue you want to talk about that we may have missed and you're like, no, I definitely want to bring this up. Or do we want to give our little wrap up of the movie and our rating out of five popcorn kernels? I think we've mentioned everything. Um, I mean, dark flash, we haven't really talked about the dark flash, uh, in the speed force and that scene. And the second time round. Because I was like, how did Barry end up in the timeline where he has to help himself become the Flash? Like, that was, you know, by luck that that happened there. But I missed it the first time. But the second time, apparently, the Dark Flash said, oh, I chose to push you out at that certain moment Uh, to help me become. And how I took it, and I, I know a lot of people have interpreted it differently, but I'm pretty sure the young Barry is meant to be the Dark Flash trying to go round and round and round again to try and yeah. save Batman, Michael Keaton's Batman and Supergirl and also Correct. help save his mother in the future as well. Yes. And I guess that's where it ties in with that love interest thing because why is he so determined to save Supergirl? I guess when she dies by Zod, that's when he runs so fast and gets into the speed force and then keeps going back around, back around. He gets all these like blades and all that thrust upon him because I guess all Zod's, uh, henchmen have been attacking him and then yeah. eventually over the years he becomes old and he becomes really decrepit and and evil let's call it and so consumed of trying to yeah. save you know th- these two people around him and especially his mother one scene now that we're talking about one scene that i really want to talk about is the final scene where the main barry is back in time and he sees his mother at the shopping or the supermarket oh. and he takes the tin of tomatoes out of her yeah. cart yeah, and that really just shows off Ezra's chops as a as an actor. Like, oh my goodness, it's it's like afterwards it makes you want to go hug hug your mother or right. you know your loved one because it was just the acting was just so like just superb. And ultimately, he's taking the can out, and that's going to lead to like, how does somebody do that and not get emotional? And you know, he's trying to save his mom, but he now is not saving his mother, and this has yeah. to be the way. And he gets a hug and. You know, oh, it's just, that was a really, really nice scene. I thought it was really beautiful. And then ultimately that scene ends with him moving the tins to the top shelf so we can see his father's visual from the cameras that were blurred out and Wayne Tech had to help, you know, encrypt it to make it. So it was clever in that regard. But yeah, great scenes all around. Highly recommend going to see The Flash. So, Tim, is there anything else that you want to add to that? Or by by all means, guide this. I could talk about The Flash all the time. And when we start talking about moments, that's when I go, oh, like there's something in every scene that you could just go brilliant acting or like just just the way that it carried the story. But as you can yeah. tell, I really enjoyed the film. <laughs> yeah, well, that's exactly why I've got you on, Jay, because you can go you can go on and be like, yes, The Flash and go to all these layers and nuances with it. So I've had the best time talking with you. Before I give my wrap up, do you want to give sort of like a summation wrap up and a, and a rating? What do you reckon? Highly, highly recommend this film. It is full of not just nostalgia and not just like, it's not leading on the nostalgia for this to be a great film. It's just there to help this movie and carry the story along. But this story is really good. A great time travel storyline. It's got a lot of heart. The humor is really, really good. And I'm surprised how witty they were actually, because we're so used to superhero films not swearing and, and being very like appropriate. I guess if you want to say that there's a lot of jokes in it where you're just like, Oh wow. That's that I'm surprised they went there, but walking out of the film, people either love it 
or they did not like it at all. And I'm just, I'm like, did we see the same film? Or what am I missing that you guys, I highly recommend it. I would probably give it a four and a half out of five, if that's the Ooh. rating. How do, how do you rate this? Do you rate this out of 10 or out of five? Out of five, you got it nailed. Yeah, four and a half out of five, I would give it. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Why I didn't give it that extra half, I'm not sure. I don't think anything's ever perfect. It's probably because of the CGI, sure. possibly. I definitely enjoyed it regardless of some of the CGI that, that, that took me out of it. Perfect. Nice wrap up, mate. Well, The Flash for me isn't a perfect film, but it did live up to the lofty expectations I had going into it off the back of early reactions like yourself, Jay, uh, and mm. online sentiment. It is fun, entertaining, and executes an adventure that has heart, stakes, and complexity. The return of Michael Keaton as Batman was what got my bum on the seat for this one, and I could not wipe the grin off my face watching him on screen. The Flash is a bloody good time, and it's so worth checking it out. If you're after the adventure you've been waiting from the DCEU for many years, I'm going to rate The Flash three and a half popcorn kernels. There you go. Very good. Very good. And can I also say, definitely go watch Batman or even Batman Returns, the Michael Keaton ones, Man of Steel, anything that Zack Snyder did for the Justice League and all that, definitely go watch those films because it will make you, not that you need to watch them, but it will make you appreciate Mm. the film probably a bit more, especially because they're going back and forth and a lot of events that happen in those films happen in this movie as well. So um, yeah, I, I highly recommend doing that. Yeah, that's some good guidance. Well, The Flash is in Australian cinemas from June 15. And that's it for another episode of Popcorn Pals. I was joined by content creator Jaden Rodriguez. Jay, where can people find you on the internets and all the things that you do? On Instagram and TikTok, you can find me at jrod underscore hd uh you can find me on my youtube channel if you just type in Jaden rodriguez and everywhere else as well thanks for having me tim go for it sorry go for it do do your sign off no that's it that's it over to you to fill in anything else that you want to say but i encourage you to check out jay's stuff really really fun content online always always enjoy the stuff that you work on and the perspectives that you bring to everything in in pop culture so definitely go check out jay out there and i'm so glad that you invited me on here i love what you and lee do uh i love that we met each other at some of these premieres and screenings and and we've we've managed to find some time to do this because i was really (laughs) nervous when you're like let's do it and obviously i understand how there's a couple like there's a bit of a deadline on these stuff because it's so fresh this movie and you want to Mm. sort of capitalize on that and i was so nervous that we wouldn't be able to make it work but i'm so happy we got to do it i'm so happy that you invited me here and let's do it again let's geek out very very soon tim let's do it again mate and as always thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next time thanks guys bye come and join in on the conversation you can like us on facebook and follow us on instagram at popcorn podcast Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com 
juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.